0: Is that not the greatest opening song to anything in the history of the world? I think it personally is because it is obviously the rock talk, the rock chalk chant for my alma mater, the now four time national men's basketball champion, University of Kansas Jayhawks. Adam Mills, of course, is going to 100 percent agree. We are doing a special Tuesday night recording of a show that we normally record on I don't know any other night but Tuesday night which means we're going to be a little delayed and since we're going to be a little delayed we thought Alan Celine, and I thought that it would be an excellent idea to make this as logistically challenging and as hard on ourselves as possible so we are doing a one take show that's right. This is like 1917, except for podcasts. It's just going to be one long shot that'll take us from the beginning all the way to the end. My name is Rob Kelly.
1: Hi, I'm Celine Oberholzer.
2: And I'm Alan Schroeder. And this is Criterium Nation.
0: A show
1: about life lived one corner at a time. We are a proud member of the Wide Angle Podium. Wait. <laughs> shoot. Wide Angle Podium oh, Network no. of Shows. <laughs>
2: Did not sound robotic uh, at all. No, definitely not could not all. tell you were reading from a piece of paper.
0: <laughs> the good thing, folks, is that we practiced. We did practice on several occasions. So, Celine, take it from the top. Are we a proud member of the Wide Angle Podium Network of Shows?
2: We are <laughs> a
1: proud. Fuck.
2: Take it over, Alan, please. I believe what she was trying to say is that we're a proud member of the Wide Angle Podium Network of shows, podcast shows, uh, which is the only place or one-stop shop for independent cycling media.
0: We are sponsored this week, as we have in the past, by our good friends at Manscaped. Manscaped Manscaped.com is your home for the best in men's grooming equipment. I have to pause here for a second because I was just in Texas and oh my gosh, it's so dry down there. I don't know about you, but Texas's air is is lacking in humidity, and I got to put on some of this manscaped lip balm that I just got sent with my Ultra Premium collection. This is, oh, this stuff's great. Mm, totally rehydrated now, ready to go, ready to nail this show. I won the sniff contest yesterday. I got my Ultra Premium kit, um, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, used it along with the body wash. And first time I had used it, my wife comes walking into the room and I got the sniff test. She's like, ooh, what is that wonderful smell? What is that? And I'm like, it's Manscaped. It's the ultra premium set. You too can get it. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code Nation, all one word for 20% off plus free shipping. Alan, who else is bringing this show to you this week? Who is our great friend giving us a ad spot this week.
2: Yeah, longtime friend of the pod, uh, Source Endurance. They are also a one-stop shop for all of your endurance-based coaching needs, uh, any dietary needs that you might have if you're looking for a dietitian to help get your uh, food stuff sorted out. Yeah, you can go over to source-e.net and take a look at all of the the services they uh, that they offer. And if you find something that you like, if you see something that you like, use uh, the code Nation again, all one word, for $50 off, whatever. I, I don't know if you can call that a purchase, not really a purchase, but you know, $50 off any fees.
0: <laughs> so this is our season preview show. But I don't want to call it like a season preview show in the sense that we're going to go like line by line through every single event that's going to happen this year because they're too wide and too varied. What I thought, Alan Celine, that we could talk about a little bit here is the things that we're really looking forward to in 2022 sort of to piggyback off the show that we did at the end of last year, which a lot of people apparently liked, which is what we liked about 2021. So let's jump right in. But what is past is prelude, and it is April, which means that there are things that have happened to this point. There is bike racing and there is other news. The first thing that I thought we would talk about is the the unfortunate injury that Justin Williams has suffered in a local, I think it was a CBR, I'm not 100% sure, but a local Southern California race. Alan, what do you know, if anything, about Justin's condition? Because I do think that he posted something recently on Insta about just how bad it was.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know that much, but we we being CS Velo raced at the Laverne stage race a couple weekends ago. And Justin was out there watching because Legion was also there. And I mean, he was in a sling, but he was up moving around, yelling at the guys, getting real involved in the race from like the outside. So yeah, I mean, from what I saw, things are looking good that he's on his way to being back on the bike and crushing everybody in sprints again.
0: The thing is, as though I saw a photo of what looked like a separated shoulder, maybe a broken bone, Uh, and so I, I think the point is, is that he might be out a little bit longer and he's targeting like the end of the season. Now we all know Justin is not just, you know, one of the best sprinters in the country, but he's also one of the most influential bike racers of all time, especially in the African American community. And his absence at the beginning of the year from the bike might have an impact, but I do know from his posts in his comments, that he is going to stay highly involved with the team. Now, Celine, looking at it purely from an outside perspective, you know, when you look at a team like Legion, the men's part of it, and you see somebody who's so passionate and emotional as Justin, do you think that they will suffer any from having him sidelined? Or do you think that? Other guys on the team are going to jump in and fill that physical role, and he's going to be the spiritual guy.
1: Uh, I mean, I kind of think you answered your own question, and I would choose the latter option, that there are other guys who are just as capable, who will take up the reins, and he'll still be very involved, as you said. So I don't think that it will be too much of a shift in dynamic.
0: Two big races or three big races actually have already happened or three big race weekends have already happened. Two of them in Arizona, where you are now, Celine. while you have migrated north a bit from Tucson to the Flagstaff region. You know, we had Valley of the Sun, which is traditionally like, you know, Valentine's Day weekend, and also the Tucson Bicycle Classic. Celine, I think you were there for one, and Alan was there for another. And then you go to Laverne, which is the former San Dimas race, you know stage racing is back how excited are you celine and the women on roxo to have stage racing like legit stage racing back in the united states
1: i mean we're incredibly hyped uh one of the reasons that i joined roxo is because um our goals reach beyond the crit scene like we all are, I guess, i would say most of us love crits um but we definitely have ambitions in terms of road racing, and eventually, maybe even in Europe. So having stage racing in the US to get dialed as a team and as individuals is really exciting.
0: Is this the earliest in the season that you've ever competed at that high level? Like, in the past, have you gone into a like, February fourteenth and been like, you know what, I'm just gonna go bar to bar with the likes of like, you know, Lauren DiCresenzo?
1: Um, Well, coming from the Austin, Texas area, I'm going to say no. I have had done (laughs) like a competitive gravel race on January 1st once. (laughs) So it just, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty standard business for me personally.
0: (laughs) What about you, Alan, coming from Boise, going down to the Tucson Bicycle Classic and, you know, showing up there with the rest of the guys from CS Velo in your brand new LEL kit? What was that like?
2: Oh, <laughs> well, we didn't have our new kit for Tucson Bicycle Classic, but LEL did come through for us and send us some of their like factory team kit. So we were still sponsor correct. Uh, but yeah, it was awesome. That is by far the earliest in the year that I've raced. Um, normally, like beginning of March in Boise, you're still in like the depths of winter and wouldn't want to race outside even if you could. Uh, so yeah, it was great to get down there, like meet some of the new guys on the team. We added three new guys this year. Um, and then just have the whole group, like start racing together and I guess learning about each other and like kind of our tendencies and coming together as a team. So yeah, it was an excellent start to the year.
0: Were you able to understand your South of the Equator teammate Xander? Or was there was language a barrier? <laughs> it's,
2: uh, no, language was definitely a barrier. Well, not language, but uh, accent was a barrier there. Like there's on more than one occasion, you'd be riding next to him, and he would say something, and I would ask him what, and then he would say it again, and then I would just nod and like kind of move on and ride away. But <clears throat> at least for that weekend, he was kind of our, our team leader. He was third in the the opening stage in the time trial. So (laughs) there was definitely a lot of like telling him that he needed to like yell louder or speak slower. So I knew like what he wanted me to do when I was riding in front of him. But, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things, the more you listen to him, the more you hear it, like the more used to it you get and all like the slang that he uses.
0: Do you think that anybody can beat Zach Gregg in a time trial? The guy destroyed Tucson Bicycle Classic. He destroyed Valley of the Sun. When it comes down to going straight in an arrow position, is he beatable?
2: Man, that's a good question. Like, he does seem to be just like the ideal time trial guy. Like, he's just super, he's well, not <laughs> it sounds a little rough. He's very compact, like, he's super duper arrow when he's on his TT bike, uh, and just makes like the most ridiculous amount of power. But you know, I mean, everybody's beatable on the right day and on the right course. So come Knoxville, it'll be interesting. <clears throat> I mean, obviously we get some world tour guys that come back, but definitely I'm curious to see sort of what Corey Lockwood can do this year. Um, it seems like he's found a good place out there in in Kansas right now or Kentucky, whichever one it is, uh, and is super motivated and um, has been training a lot and is historically also an amateur champion. So. Uh, If someone can, it would be cool to, to see those two battle it out. So
0: I was in North Carolina and we were doing the Project Echelon team camp and it was a great time. Just an incredible time getting to meet and learn more about those guys and what they've got going on. But on Saturday night of the first weekend of the team camp, because it lasted eight days, which I now saying this realize my eyes were bigger than my stomach as far as my physical capacity to handle eight days of getting my butt kicked by... Uh, Tyler Stites and you know Ethan Crane and some of the other guys who are just like out of this world strong. I mean, it's hard to ride with Stephen Vogel because he goes downhill so fast that you can't, you you can't recover. You pray for the road to go uphill because then at least gravity would kind of be on your side. But like at 400 watts going downhill, you just can't keep up with them. But that Saturday night. We, as a team, were collectively sitting around this giant projector watching Claver Martinez's GoPro feed from the Birmingham Hammerfest. And um, sad to say, I think that he uses T-Mobile, and T-Mobile didn't have the best coverage in Birmingham, so it was a little choppy, but it was the best thing that we had going that night because it was live in-race coverage of what was... Clearly the coldest bike race that I've ever seen. I think the wind chill was something like 14 degrees Fahrenheit. It was just obnoxious. Like Chad Andrews came to the Project Echelon Grand Fundo on the the following weekend. And he said that that was the third coldest race that he'd ever been a part of in the Hartford, Connecticut cross Nationals was like one of the other ones that falls into that category. And I think that was just a straight up blizzard. So, you know, Birmingham has served as kind of the preseason race for the former USA Crits. It still serves as kind of an important event for us this year as like It was the first time that Best Buddies, for example, got together with Legion because they're from two opposite sides of the coast. And some of the other big teams like Automatic were there as well. You know, we didn't get to see the full score of what happened. But I think what we can say effectively is, Celine on the women's side, is the Legion of Los Angeles women's team the best preseason crit racing team in the, on the women's side.
1: Yeah, I don't think you would have even needed to have Birmingham happen to make that conclusion. <laughs> um, but especially if their team is about half of the peloton, I would say they're even more uh, of a threat then.
0: <laughs> I don't know how long it took for them to establish dominance, but I'm pretty confident that it was within the first lap or two. On the men's side... We have a new look Best Buddies. Their kit is a different color of green, which is incredible. And they've got a large number of great guys. And we've also got the Miami Blazers, which are a new product this year that they were involved in the race. And they've got some really good guys, including, you know, Connor Saley, the former Butcher Box standout who is now on Miami Blazers and, you know, Dante Young is in there and Uh, Claver Martinez, formerly of Rocklands, also in there. So, you know, we're looking at a really great competition. We're looking at a lot of good people. And, you know, Justin Williams comes away with the win at that particular race, but it was not easy. You know, the photo of him over the Best Buddies rider in second place was a bike throw. You know, we know Justin typically came into the season a little bit slower than some of his competitors would. But this looks like it's going to be a really exciting year on the men's side. What do you think, Alan?
2: Yeah, most definitely. Um, Like you said, everybody or best buddies added a bunch of strong guys to their roster. The Blazers have a bunch of really strong guys. Having raced them, what, a couple weekends ago now, can definitely tell you that they're on fire i mean legion obviously is (laughs) as good as they've ever been everybody just like has either added talent to their roster or everyone has clearly been like real motivated over the winter time and is super excited to get after it this year so i think every like if you're able to win a race this year like you earned that and it's going to be like or i don't know you're gonna feel (laughs) really great about being able to come away with the win because you will have to have been the best guy on that day. Um, yeah. So it's going to be an interesting season.
0: I'm looking forward to it. And one of the reasons why is because of the American Criterium Cup. It's a new name. Uh, there are some brand new details that have come out about this 10 race series that was hinted at, talked about, launched a little bit, press released a touch over the course of the winter, but now it looks like it's got a name. It's got a, a cool kind of looking Jersey, you know, a leader's Jersey. That's got a little bit of an ombre to it, you know, a little red purplish fade sort of thing going on. That's kind of different than any of the teams that are a part of it. At least it's not like the SD works and everybody else using that same color combination in the world tour thing. But, um, they've got a website, which, you know, popped up along with an Instagram feed. The website is AmericanCritCup.com. The Instagram is the same. You know, it's starting to be populated with more information. But looking at the races, Alan, and Celine, of the 10 races that are a part of this one, which ones are you personally thinking about going to?
2: i mean i can guarantee you that (laughs) i'll be at the boise salt lake and littleton stops just because well i mean boise's home race salt lake is right next door um but yeah i mean tulsa tough obviously is always a favorite i think harlem would be a lot of fun to do uh you know there's always like youtube videos coming out from that stop and it looks like it's just kind of your like four corner fast crit um and yeah, to to get to go over and race in Harlem would be would be super cool. I'd definitely be interested in going over for that one.
0: What about you, Celine?
1: Um, for certain, the Boise, Salt Lake, Littleton block, and then depending on some other plans, Tulsa, um, the Momentum Indy, and Gateway Cup. But we'll see about those.
0: <laughs> So it starts this weekend. So it starts April 9th at Sunny King, the king of all criteriums in Anniston, Alabama. Uh, That race is, you know, going to be happening basically as this gets released. Then it switches up at the end of May. So there's a bigger gap for Rochester in Rochester, New York. And then I know I'll personally be at Tulsa because you can't miss it. It's not the full thing in Tulsa, Nor is it the full thing at Salt Lake or Intelli or Momentum or Gateway. It's only one day out of those larger series. So, you know, it's not like one race event gets a bigger bill than others. But I can tell you Harlem is going to be incredible. The race being held in, in the Harlem community on Juneteenth. I think that this is the first or maybe the second year that Juneteenth is a federal holiday now. So obviously it celebrates the um, end of slavery in the South at the end of the Civil War. Juneteenth, June 19th was the day that the Emancipation Proclamation was enforced in Texas, which was, I think, the last holdout of all of the uh, Confederate states at that point in time. So it's become a huge holiday in the African-American community and in the American community as a whole that's being celebrated more and more. And to have that race in Harlem run by the people from Unity, which are the folks who've run Harlem for a long time, has to have some serious emotional value to it. I I know that when I was there in 2019, the... Crowd at Harlem embraced Legion when Justin and Corey, you know, did what they do so well, which is dominate. I mean, they were literally hoisted on shoulders and carried around the block. It is an incredible race, and I'm glad that it's going to be a part of this. You know, I don't know, despite the fact that these races have been around for a while, much about Boise and Salt Lake or much about Littleton. The great thing about The American Cricket Cup is that it promises an outside live stream of all of the races. So that's kind of just one of the big things. And it looks like just clicking on it right now, that the live stream for Sonny King is just waiting to start. And that's been one of the big promises that we've had. And I think, you know, Celine. You've probably eloquently stated it much more so than I do. The value to the teams, to the events, to the riders of having that visibility, that live stream. I mean, it's what we clamored for. We watched a T-Mobile buffered, you know, feed from Clever Martinez's GoPro at at Birmingham. So, like, are you looking forward to being back on the big screen?
1: I mean, absolutely. I think without. The sport being televised, it's impossible to gain traction from fans and spectators and uh, new riders and keep the sport growing. Like It's probably the most fundamental aspect of it all. So it is pretty exciting that there will be televised racing, hopefully in good quality and accessible to all very easily.
0: Alan, you... We're going to deviate here just ever so slightly from talking about the American Crit Cup to talking about something that I think is near and dear to all of our hearts. So last night, Alan, you were one of a select group of everybody who could possibly want to be a part of this who got to watch live, live, the first running of episode two of Michael Bodekheimer's Epic documentary hot lap summer. Does that make you want to race?
2: (laughs) Dude. Yeah. I was just sitting here like waiting for my chance to bring that up. Uh, yeah. Shameless plug for Bodhi and his hot lap summer summers, hot lap summer, uh, series episode two was of Tulsa tough and it was so good. It was so good. Um, I was exactly thinking like watching it, how much it made me want to go back to Tulsa. Uh, reminded of how just like fucking hot it was and like despite that wanting to go back and race just like he really does a great job because he uses a lot of uh gopro footage from the guys guys's bikes um so being in the group and just like wanting to be back in that and in like the chaos and the intensity of those races um just yeah made it made me at least super excited to get back there it was so good
0: yeah, I was uh, really excited about the cameos that were in the background of a lot of these. I definitely saw one or two CS Velo riders in those cameos. Oh, yeah. You know, that was epic.
2: Yeah. And from like just like a pure like video editing standpoint, he did an amazing job. Like some of his transitions were just like way above like his pay grade in a good way. Like they were genuinely like cinema quality but he's just doing this as like a passion project like it was one of the most impressive things that i've, I've watched this year
0: okay so let's dig into some of the things that we know about the american Criterion cup that doesn't have anything to do with the calendar because the calendar is available you can look at it you can mark all those dates you can uh put together a big spreadsheet about how much it's going to cost to drive from point a to point b or to fly or for a hotel in chicago whatever you know i've done all that math because i'm 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 in i'm game there is a tab for teams but that tab just leads you to the usa cycling domestic elite teams list as opposed to anything else um interesting point when i went to click on the domestic elite teams uh, list. You know, there are still some new teams that are pending, uh, you know, say sport background checks, things of that nature. One of the teams that I saw that's pending on the women's side is CWA Racing presented by Goldman Sachs ETFs. That, of course, is the Flamenco Racing team, which I do recall posting something on the Instagram for the uh, the podcast asking if it was worth their time to become a domestic elite team this year. Clearly somebody provided them with the, uh, you know, with the impetus or encouragement to do it because they've they become one. And the list of of domestic elite teams has grown dramatically this year it, to the fact that, like, I don't know where some of these people, like, are from anymore. Like, Cheney Windows and Doors, who are you? I want to know more about you. Empire Cycling, E-M-P-Y-R Cycling. I'm wondering if that's a New York thing that's related to Miami Blazers and Legion. Who knows? Seems like it, but whatever. So, okay, going back to the about. So when I initially started putting together the outline with you guys for the show, the only thing we knew about this series, the only rule that we knew about this series was that teams were limited to six racers per race. That was literally the only rule that was publicized. This week, it looks like a ton of additional rules were publicized. And we now have, you know, the interesting scoring system. We've got mid or sprint point, you know, calculations. We've got, you know, a prize purse breakdown. So we've got it all. So Celine, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with, you know, how the money is broken down? Do you want to start with how the final, you know, tallying of points are done for each race and with each finish? What What do you think is going to be the most interesting for people?
1: I mean, I kind of feel like it's probably easiest for people to just look at the website and find out for themselves rather than us like rattle it off to them. But We can, if you want to.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it, I think it bears mentioning that, you know, the big advertising point for this whole thing has been the hundred thousand dollar prize purse. Right. That's what USA cycling said. That's what, you know, all the press releases have said and all the news stories that have been about it. You get down to it. There are four total competitions Uh, And then there's, you know, the two genders. So there are eight competitions that that $100,000 is being split among. So you start to think about that. Okay, where is this series prioritizing its $100,000 and who and and what does it tell us? So, you know, there is a men's and women's elite competition, a men's and women's U23, a team competition, and then a sprint competition. You know, we love the green jersey, you know, for the Tour de France and all that. But like the sprint competition is obviously the one that comes after the overall and after the team. But uh, don't don't like Peter Sagan this, please. I like I can't handle that right now. But when you look at the team competition and the U23 competition, they pale in comparison for depth and also total dollar numbers. Team and U23 are just the top three places. When you look at the overall, it's top 25. And the winner takes home $10,000, men and women. You know, when we look at this compared to USA Crits, for example, which had a big emphasis on team competition, this one seems to have a much larger emphasis on the individual. I don't know if they're listening to me or listening to the show or listening to the guests that have been on this show. Alan, you know, when you look at it, you see top 25 are going to get paid out. And then it's also $10,000 for the winner for the individual. Is this, you know, is this the thing that is a traditional version? Is this a new version? What do you think that says? I guess
2: I don't know if it's traditional or new. I think it's, clearly different than what we've been operating with on the usa crits front for the last few years um you know given that this is still a team sport it's interesting to me that they put like such a big focus on the individual i suppose you know it's it's nice to see that oh the winner is going to get 10 grand and that they go 25 deep i think that is like heading in the right direction for for the sport and is going to, I don't know, make kind of more interesting storylines, perhaps?
0: Well, let me ask you this. If you look at the way it's scored, so USA Crits, you know, if you showed up at USA Crits, you got 50 or 60 points. Like, literally, just put your foot on the start line, you got 50 or 60 points. You got 10 points for finishing. I've, I have always had a problem with that, you know, like... Oh, you're just there. You get 60 points. It's an attendance competition. If you look at the scoring here, it's only the top 20 people, you know, are scored anything above five points. All finishers behind 20th place get five points. That's it. If a racer is pulled, they are not considered a finisher.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. Um, Going that far into the breakdown, like that shows that they really kind of... (laughs) don't give too much of a care on the the team competition front and that they really are just trying to to focus in on individuals. Um, I think that's gonna make it a lot more difficult on people to be consistent over 10 rounds and always finishing in the top the top 20. you know, like if you want to be competitive for that overall, you're really gonna have to make a point to be going. Well, I might just take that back. Like, does it only scoring 20 to 25 deep actually kind of take some pressure off from people needing to go to all 10 rounds? Like, are you able to skip a couple rounds and still be okay?
0: I don't know. I mean, it's a big competition. It's 10 races. It's a lot of effort to move around from place to place with that much. I I did actually start to figure out how much it would cost me to be at all these races. And, you know, I was trying to figure out a defensible way to do it and was using government service administration, you know, travel fares and things like that. Something that was just like equal. And eventually I just gave up. I do think, and I can't find this right now, but, oh, yeah, it's only the top three finishers per team that are counted as well, as opposed to four for USA crits. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And there are no throwaway races.
2: I don't think USA Crits had any throwaway races either.
0: But they also are imposing a new rule. And this one's interesting. It's Article 6 in their book. At the end of each race, the new reigning leader are required to attend the leader's jersey award ceremony, if applicable. Failure to meet these obligations will result in forfeiture of points on the following scale. And then there's also a similar rule for not wearing the leader's jersey in subsequent races.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad they put it in writing so we can avoid a similar situation that we had last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, the leader's jersey looks good. And yes, hopefully there isn't going to be uh, any reason someone wouldn't want to wear one this
0: year. I like Celine the way that they broke down the points for the top 20. So it's out of 100 points. You know, you win the race, you get 100 points. But the way that they subtract from that point on down to 20th, and I think 20th was receiving 13 points. Yeah. So this is something that we did with the Marlboro Road Cup. We were trying to figure out how to make it not an attendance competition as much as rewarding the people who podiumed over the people who wanted to get 10th and just go to 10 races and get 10th in all 10 races. So like if you go to five races and you win, you walk away with 500 points. If you go to 10 races and you get 10th, you walk away with 390 points here. There is a reduction in value from first to fourth. So from the winner to the edge of the podium, which is third place of thirty percent. So a hundred points, ninety points for second, eighty-one points for third, seventy-three points for fourth. They seem to be, tell me if I'm wrong, incentivizing winning races and being on the podium and taking that shot over just being that person who finishes in sixteenth place.
1: I mean, yeah, I feel like That's, um, that's a good thing. Like the whole just lining up to get points is also can be a little bit detrimental. Like if you're sick and you decide to line up just to get the points from lining up and then you're someone like me who can't stop once they start, put themselves in a hole, um, and making it a bit more competitive for the pointy end, um, for that top step is, I would say always a good thing. Um, But in terms of the payout, having a big emphasis on the individual is an interesting choice, seeing that most teams will ask for that to be distributed throughout the riders anyway.
0: So there are a couple events that are left off of this compared to events of the past that had been a part of the USA crits series and in no way, shape or form, do I want to even get remotely accused or convinced that we are, uh, you know, comparing this or saying that this is like a holdover for USA crits or it is a successor of the, it's not, this is just a totally new thing. You know, you don't have events that are like Westchester, or Winston-Salem, El Paso, the Speed Week things like, uh, the, um, Athens or Spartanburg. Those are not a part of it, but they are still going to happen this year. This is the first normal crit season since 2019. So, you know, what is it that we can expect people and teams to do this year? You know, CS Velo, Roxo, what, you know, are they going, are your guys' plans to go all in on the American Crit Cup, or are you going to do like an a la carte and start ordering off the menu? You know, Celine, what are you guys talking about as far as, you know, the crit opportunities this year?
1: Uh, I guess I want to preface by saying that I think the American Crit Cup is a very cool idea. And just based on their rule book, it seems like it is produced in collaboration with racers and it's for the racers. So I think that's um, really positive. However, Roxo does not plan to attend every single one of them. I think when we got into the planning of our season, it was a bit earlier, like December um, of last year. And just a lot of the uncertainty surrounding American Crit Cup, we weren't entirely convinced that it would be at the stage that it is right now. Um, And in terms of logistics and expenses for a fairly new team, it is too much of an undertaking to attend all of these races, um just in really random parts of the country. So we'll be doing the a la carte option and uh yeah, cherry picking the ones that we think are best suited for us and make the most sense logistically.
0: What about the men in pink? Yeah, well, I guess before I talk about our
2: plans, like it is interesting to me, or I was I was wondering how many teams are going to commit fully to this Criterion Cup. Um, because it is a huge ask to get, you know, six riders to ten races that are spread all over the country and not necessarily in like a, a logical fashion. But yeah, you know, as far as C S Velo goes, we have always been more of a stage race focused team, and that will definitely be the case this year, at least for the first half of the year. Um, you know, Redlands, Gila, Joe Martin are gonna be the big goals. But then I mean, that being said, Tulsa Tough is still very much an A-race. Harlem is an A-race. And after Nationals, once you get into the second half of the summer, like, yeah, we're, we're all in on Boise, Salt Lake, Intelligentsia, Littleton. I think we're planning on sending a squad to Indy. Um, I loved Winston-Salem and El Paso last year, so definitely would be very stoked to go back to those places. Uh, and Speed Week also, like, you know, that's seven days of racing with easy drives in between each time, so that's an easy one to put on your calendar and be like, Yeah, we're all in on that one.
1: Unless you're doing HELA because the two kind of overlap.
2: Oh, yeah, I guess with Speed Week they do, that's true.
1: Yeah, it's like the timeline is way different from last year, so it's all kind of weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, because amazingly, this is normal, right? That's what it kind of had been in the past. And, you know, Alan brings up, and both of you brought up, the the stage races. So, you know, they, they took a hit over the COVID in, interregnum, the in-between period. But they're back. You know, we had Joe Martin last year. You know, we had Green Mountain last year, two great races. You know, this year, we're going to see some of the others come back. You know, Gila and Redlands are right around the corner. And one thing that I wanted to talk about is the impact that Walmart might have, because Joe Martin is now the Walmart stage race. I, I don't think that's the official title of it, but Walmart money has made its way into Joe Martin. And I want to see if you guys think that this is as positive a development as it's, it's being sold by the folks at, at Joe Martin to have this non-endemic sponsor coming in and saying, yes, we want to promote stage racing in the united states
1: i mean i don't think walmart needs to sponsor a stage race so the fact that of all things that they can do with their money they're supporting bike racing i'm all for it i don't have any complaints about that
2: (laughs) yeah i mean hopefully it gets other companies like motivated to do the same thing and we can see more stage races like come into being and even you know like thrive in america Uh, I think there's definitely the interest in it as far as like teams and racers are concerned. Um, So if Walmart coming in and dumping a bunch of money into it, and hopefully that's kind of on the like live stream front. So we can, again, like get more people just watching the races, then that's only going to be a good thing for us. And, you know, looking at what they did with the uh, world cup for cyclocross, last year and then the world championships in january of this year i mean it looked like they did an awesome job with that so i expect that it's only going to improve joe martin as a race and yeah i'm excited to be there and or get to be there this year and like see exactly what sorts of i guess influence they have on the race
0: yeah because i know boeing is a big sponsor for armed forces cycling classic you know i'm i'm trying to think of like other like regional superhero companies that have that outsized i mean it's hard to have as outsized a, a impact on a region as walmart or the walton company does you know on northwest arkansas for anybody else you know maybe the aerospace industry in silicon valley or southern california but it'd be super cool to have the you know the the Redlands stage race or Sandema stage race sponsored by Tesla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, 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 that's my free idea for the day. Somebody else can go do the hard part about making it actually work. I'll just throw these ideas out there. Um, I want to talk for a second about nationals, obviously on the men's pro crit side and the women's criterium and, for the road race, the pro level, it's it's back to Knoxville. Everybody's got their saunas now, so they're getting heat acclimated already for Knoxville. Go team. Uh, don't know why, but the amateur uh, men's races got moved out of the great state of Florida, and they are now in Roanoke, Virginia, Kerry Werner's hometown that he has made popular by everything. I don't know when Roanoke became such a big deal, but like, there's a women's team that has moved to Roanoke. You know, the 2024 team, and now the Virginia Blue Ridge, you know, association, which is part of Go Cross, or part of the the you know the money behind Go Cross is is bringing in amateur crit, uh, crit and road nationals. I don't know what the course looks like, but I can guarantee you the one thing that that course is not going to be is flat in any way, shape, or form.
2: Yeah. I imagine it couldn't look any different than what the Florida courses were last year, where they averaged 28 miles an hour for like 100 miles in the road race last year. Uh, It was absurd. But yeah, I don't know. Roanoke. Or they're like city folk must have been really motivated to make that happen because I think for pronats this year, all you have to be is a domestic elite team to get into the race. So I think USAC was more or less planning on not even having an amateur national championships this year. Um but yeah, so when they announced that, it was pretty cool, pretty exciting that it's gonna be in Roanoke. I imagine, like you said, that's gonna be a really interesting and challenging course definitely lots of climbing if you've done any riding down there you're never on a flat road uh but i don't know i'm definitely depending on how pronats goes way more motivated to to go to virginia than florida sorry florida
0: it's okay nobody here is representing florida um (laughs) i want to end today instead of like doing a detailed deep dive into the you know, nitty gritty of some things. I'm just going to steal ideas from the Slow Ride Podcast because why not? They love to gamify things, so I thought we would gamify the heck out of some predictions for 2022. So we have six questions, three questions about women's racing, three questions about men's racing, and we are going to hold ourselves accountable for this And let's have the fans hold us accountable for our predictions as well. So, if you are a a dear, gentle listener, if Alan, Celine, or I are wrong about our predictions, you know, you have the absolute right to come up to me and tell me that I'm wrong at any point in time. Uh, Maybe don't bother Alan and Celine since, you know, they're getting ready to race. But by that point in time, the Masters races will all be done. So, you can tell me that I'm wrong and I'll you know, I'll share a beer with you about it. So you guys ready to play predictions for 2022?
2: Yeah. I mean, my first prediction is that I'm going to get a lot of these wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least that one. I should get at least one, right?
0: There you go. So unless you get that one wrong too, <laughs>
2: which I guess I'd be okay with.
0: The first question is, and we'll start on the women's racing because, uh, cause I say so and whatever. I've got the bigger microphone. Um, on the women's racing side, question number one What female bike racer will be the first woman to win three races in a row this year? And now, here are the rules. So we have everything crystal clear. What has happened up until this point, which is April 5th of 2022, does not count for purposes of this competition. So just because Tyler Stites keeps winning everything doesn't mean that he will continue to win everything. So we're starting fresh from right here, right now. So, Celine, we start with you because on this screen you are in the top left-hand corner and Alan is not. So... What female bike racer do you think is going to be the first to win three races in a row? Oh,
1: boy. Um, well, I feel like there are a few obvious choices, but I'm going to go with... I know you said the the past few races don't matter, but I do think they do indicate a certain early season form. So I'm going to go with Maggie Cool's Lister because she has been on fire and she has her juggling down pat so i think she's she's ready
0: alan who is your guess
2: ah uh, i mean the juggling's looking okay but it does still need some work so with that i'm gonna take the easy <laughs> choice and go
0: with uh scholar schneider i'm gonna go a little bit on the outside here because why not i'm going with emily ehrlich does
2: already have a win overall win anyway
0: so we'll see. She likes to get away and she likes to be sneaky, and sometimes that works. I don't know. I may have just jinxed myself because it's hard to be sneaky three times in a row, but whatever. So, question number two, Alan, we're gonna start with you. We'll just go around the circle so that everybody gets to be first and everybody gets to be last. Uh what men's team will be the first to sweep two races in a row obviously it happened a lot last year it's already happened this year but alan who do you think is going to be the first men's team to sweep two weekends in a row in american bike racing Ah, uh,
2: heck i mean i don't necessarily want to just pick legion for everything but <laughs> they, i mean they're still just so good man uh so good so fast so I am going to go, I think when it comes to sweeping podiums, it's going to, it's going to be legion.
0: Okay. I am going to go with the guys who I spent the week with in Winston-Salem, Project Echelon. They've already swept the podium twice this year, back to back weekends, to Tucson Bicycle Classic and Valley of the Sun. So I think they're going to do it again. I just don't know when, but I'm thinking it's going to be the first purse, the first team to do it this year. Celine, your, your choice.
2: Wait a minute! Wait! 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 Hang on a sec. What race at TBC did they sweep the podium on? Uh, the GC. No, no.
0: Xander was third.
2: No, uh-huh. our guy. We got oh, a guy wow. on that podium. Let's go. So, do you want oh him to be are <laughs> Holding to me to the fire. Here?
0: Fact checks already. <laughs> no, I'm staying with it. I'm staying with the Project Ashlight guys.
1: Um, are we considering Redlands and Gila the first two races of the year?
0: Absolutely. I'm going to go with Project Echelon. <laughs> ooh, ooh, <damn. laughs> okay, so this means for question number three, I will be the first person to go. Question number three, what women's team will spend the most time off the front at Pro Crit Championships? I think long-distance breakaway Skylar Schneider. Legion of Los Angeles. So therefore it is Legion of Los Angeles winning that competition. Lead uh Celine, what's your pick? I'm gonna go with
1: Lauren DiCrescenzo of Cinch. Same thing. Long distance breakaway.
2: We said we said crit championships, yeah? Not road race. I mean I'm gonna Oh wait. Nope. You already picked I nope.
1: Okay. I thought this was road. <laughs> well you know maybe she'll surprise everyone and take the crit too who knows
2: in that case i'm just going to go with the team that was doing that last year uh Fount just coming from the northwest coming out of seattle and then just constantly attacking it seemed um that seems to be their mo can't imagine they're going to try anything else this year
0: okay so celine you're going to go first for this round and the question is also pro crit championship related the first man to come out of three corners to go in the lead we all know because we listen to Emma White's version of the podcast we listened to Travis McCabe we listened to all the recaps we've listened to everybody talk about it three corners to go is the place to attack that means that if you are the first person out of that corner you're likely going to win so who is the first guy out of that corner on the final lap.
1: Mm. <laughs> um, we're going to go with Chris Tolly.
0: <laughs> Tolly always. Love it. Love it. Who do you think it's going to be, Alan? Uh, seeing
2: as how we're, we're banking on people, like keeping us accountable on this one, I'm going to go with uh, myself as a lead out for Andrew. <laughs> being the first guy through that turn. And then I'm immediately going to pull off and let him go. But uh, yeah, that's my goal.
0: Andrew Janot. That's good one. That is a good one. That's a real good one. Uh, So that leaves it to me. And I'm, I am torn on this one. Part of me wants Scott McGill to come back and finish what he had started. And what I thought, he was going to do, but, you know, I'm not sure that's in the cards for him and for the team. So uh, best wishes going there. I'm not going to happen. I think the man who changed everything, the man who changed nothing himself, Danny Estevez from Best Buddies is going to be the guy.
2: That's a good pick.
0: Yeah. OK, Alan, you go first in this fifth question. The woman who wins the overall at Tulsa? The
2: overall at Tulsa. I mean, we can I pick Skylar Schneider twice.
0: <laughs> you, it's not like it's a hard question. I mean, yeah, she, she won she the overall last year, didn't she?
2: Yeah. Yes. Um. Well, really, I'm trying to think of if there is like, there's a lot of people that are going to be competitive there, but man, I don't know. Again, so good, so fast, makes it look so easy. Yeah, I'll stick with Skylar on this one.
0: This is going to be a hard one because my choice is Kendall Ryan. Oh, 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 her teammate, race. the U.S. National Criterium Champion. Celine, what's your choice here?
1: I feel like it's whoever Legion wants. Like, Just go with Alexis. I noticed at the end of the season last year, Skylar was starting to like lead out some of her teammates and help them. Get achieve really strong results. So maybe she's bored of winning and wants someone else to have a go. So I don't know. Mm, this is a hard question. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with
0: Sam. Sam. Sam Schneider getting the mom watts.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her blood volumes bumping.
0: <laughs> don't I can't argue with that. Uh, Mostly because I'm not a doctor. Um, So, (laughs) last one before our tiebreak question, which you guys have never heard before, but we have to have a tiebreak question. So, that's just the way it is. Okay. So, in the men's competition in intelligentsia, who is going to win the overall for the men's competition. This is the last regular round question. I am going with Brandon Fury, a.k.a. Monk from Project Echelon. Did it last year. He'll do it again. His beard is just mm, perfect. Celine, who wins the men's overall at Intelli? If he's there, I'm going to go with Ama. That's hard to hard to go against. Alan?
2: That is hard to go against. Uh, I think Clever is going to wrap that one up. He is super strong right now. Sprint's looking good. And I mean, he, yeah, he's a technician in, in the bunch. He is always in the right place at the right time.
0: Okay. Here is the super secret never been before revealed tiebreak question. In the season long competition between the greatest rivals in bike racing in the United States, who comes out ahead by how and by how much so you got to know who the greatest rivalry in american crit racing is and then you have to think about how much one of the other one is going to beat the other by so head to head plus or minus one race two races three races rob kelly versus frank Cundiff.
2: <laughs> i love this one
0: who comes out ahead in this competition by how, my, how oh, much oh boy i'm going to I, I'm going to go last here, so, you know, Celine, you go first. Frank or Rob, and by how many races?
1: I feel like this is rigged. i want to give it to Frank, because he's living in Tucson and riding lemon, like, every day. I'm going to say by two races.
0: Fair.
2: Alan? Can we get a hint on how many races uh you plan on being head to head?
0: Let's say at least five races. At least five. Okay. Well,
2: hmm. I don't think, you know, he might be riding lemon every day, but I don't really know how much that helps you in crits. So I'm gonna go with Rob and his specialized uh his burgundy, <laughs> not red, specialized with 808s. Those that that it's gonna be hard to beat. Um also, I'm also going to say by two races, though. I think you'll have two races on him.
0: <sighs> Can I pick myself? I feel like that's too egotistical. <sighs> Does Frank listen to this? <laughs> All the time. He's probably listening right now uh, as we record it. So I'm going to go with, I'm actually going to go with Frank. I saw him riding in, in Winston-Salem. He's doing good. He's doing solid work especially on the crits. And he's got a new coach that's going to help push him. But I think it's only by one race. Mm, Tight. Tight. It's going to be a tight competition. Definitely a tight competition. And one for the ages. It is the essence of crit beef.
2: Guys. I'll be watching that more closely than who is winning the American Criterium Cup. (laughs) But that's just me personally.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And with that, guys, thanks so much for helping get this season off to a wonderful start. We will make sure that we find out exactly how awesome you guys are doing. And uh, hashtag criterium Coffee.
2: Yeah. And like, if you listen to this and you have picks, you think we made mistakes on our picks, I want to know who the listeners think is going to win. Just the last two, the overalls. And then you and Frank. <laughs> so, yeah on the instagram or something and let us know there
0: have a great night Celine. alan thanks so much yeah this is fun see you guys <laughs> thank you thank you for listening to another episode of the show We are a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium Network of Shows, the internet's only collection of top-tier independent cycling content. Today's episode was written and produced by all three of us and edited by me, Rob Kelly. Just to give you a little bit of background, we actually uh, gave out our winners for the Belgian Waffle Ride Source Endurance Criterium Nation Criterium and Waffle Contest. The men's winner, Jeremy Spafford, from the great state of Georgia. And the women's winner was Grace Williams from Indiana. Uh, There was a small technical glitch that we had with getting all of their stuff downloaded. We're hoping that we can get around that glitch in the next coming weeks. But their submissions were excellent. And thank you for everybody who participated. We will be back again next week with the first rendition or edition of the Project Echelon Files. So join us here again next week for more stories from our Criterium Nation.